Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Arizona Cardinals select Kyler Murray. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. The Los Angeles Rams select Jared Goff. The Indianapolis Colts select Andrew Luck. And welcome back to another edition of the Draft Board Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at JReedNFL. That's at J-R-E-I-D-NFL. You can find my work on thedraftnetwork.com, also climbingthepocket.com. Be sure to check out thedraftnetwork.com. We have so many new things going up daily. We just released a brand new logo that has had some outstanding and positive feedback so far. And just touching a little bit on the Draft Network, we have so many new things planned for you guys. I know you guys are wondering when the new mock draft machine is going to come out. I can't give that away right now, but let's just say it is coming very, very soon. So just continue to remain patient with that. Continue to check out our work. And thank you guys so much for following along and all of the things that we have coming out weekly and actually daily. For you guys over at the Draft Network, ClimbingThePocket.com, we have some really good content going up on a daily basis over there as well. Some weekly and daily podcasts going up over there as well. So just be sure to continue to track things daily on both websites, and it is greatly appreciated. But just to give you guys a show outline, I'm going to continue to talk about preseason football. We have week two of the preseason going on right now. There's some really intriguing matchups throughout the league, but I'm going to spend a little bit of time just talking about who were my most impressive rookies from a week ago during week one. Also, we're going to continue our conference by conference, or I should say division by division, or excuse me there, division by division weekly preview with the NFC West. We already previewed the NFC South, the North, and the East. So if you missed any of those, be sure to check that out. We're going to finish up with the NFC West during the backstretch of today's show. But I'm going to start out this week's show just talking about some of the rookies that were so impressive to me. And I have to start at the top. And that is with Daniel Jones against the Jets. And for as much backlash that he received coming out of Duke, so many people were surprised by how positive his play was coming out of that drive. Five for five, 67 yards, and a beautiful touchdown that he threw in the back corner of the end zone. He looked so poised and he was so he was so he was engineering that offense at such a great level that it really caught so many people by surprise for whatever reason. And I think there was a lot of false narratives out there about him. And me personally, I had an early second round grade on Daniel Jones. I didn't I didn't think he was a first round worthy prospect. But of course, the NFL and some teams are going to see it different than what draft Twitter or what the media sees it as. And Daniel Jones really was the punching bag of this group. For the year, and there's always going to be a prospect like that yearly. There's been other quarterbacks who have been that in years past. Daniel Jones just so happened to be that guy this past draft season, and he came out and he played extremely well. And that's not to say that he's eventually going to overtake Eli Manning early on in the season or even during week one, but the Giants have to take this thing very seriously in that if he continues to progress and show so much promise as he has already shown so far, if he continues to play that way, they're going to have to sit down and have a debate. And I say that because everyone knows that Daniel Jones is the future of the Giants organization. Make no mistake about that. Eli Manning has declined the past two to three years, and he just hasn't looked like himself since those Super Bowl runs. And everyone knows Eli. This is probably the latter. This is the last year 
with the New York Giants for him. He's he's in the final year of a one-year, $23 million contract. Daniel Jones is the future. It's just a matter of when he's going to overtake this organization and when is he going to take his first reps and make his debut under center. Now, that's up to Daniel Jones, really, and the coaching staff when they want to put him out there. I have my actual target dates for when they're going to put him out there, but I don't want to release it just because I don't want to have false information out there. It's just a guess. But if I had to guess, it probably would be somewhere around midseason, especially if the Giants' season doesn't go as planned. And right now, I just see them being a 6-10 and 10 team. That is what I predicted them to be in my NFC East preview. I think that's really where their record is going to hover around. And I just don't see how this team is really going to compete in that division with the Philadelphia Eagles, with the Dallas Cowboys, even if they don't get Ezekiel Elliott back, I still think they're a better team than what the New York Giants are presently. And with the Washington Redskins, even though they are in a bit of flux right now on the offensive side of the ball, they have a very strong defense. And the Giants' offense just isn't that great right now. Outside of Saquon Barkley, they don't, they don't have any weapons on the perimeter, which is what, which is what made Daniel Jones showing so much more impressive. And he looks so comfortable back there. But I sent out a tweet about this last week. What I loved or what got me so excited is that Pat Shermer really catered to his strengths. And Daniel Jones' strengths is that he operates off of play action, RPOs, quick routes tagged off of that. And that's exactly what you saw in his debut. That got me so excited because I think the thing that make or makes or breaks a rookie quarterback's career, especially early on, is the play caller. The play caller has to be in sync. He has to be able to call plays that cater to the guy's strengths. If he just tries to take a my way or the highway approach, that is not going to be good. And you can see situations where he loses confidence early and mentally he just could check out. That's not what happened to Daniel Jones early on. Him and Pat Sherman had really good chemistry early on. So it was really good to see him go out and play well. Now he's going to have a different task this week and we'll see if he continues to play well. I'm really excited to see how he does. The best, the next best performance that really impressed me was Devin Bush against Tampa Bay. This guy was known for being instinctual, speed, he can cover, and he's just fast to the ball. A true see ball, get ball type of linebacker, and that's exactly what he showed against the Buccaneers. Ten tackles, even though some of them were gimme tackles in a sense where the front line really ate up and swallowed some of those guys up front to where he had a clear path to the ball. But you saw his aggression taking over, and he had one rep against Donovan Smith, even though they did gain seven yards. He just ran right through his soul. And that just goes to the physicality that Devin Bush showed, even going back to his days in the middle of the defense at Michigan. So for them to replace Ryan Shazier, it was going to have to be an overly talented athlete that was very instinctual, that could just get to the ball and fly to the ball under any circumstances. And they could not have found a better replacement for Devin for Ryan Shazier than Devin Bush. It was the first time that they traded up for a defensive player since 2006, I believe it was. So it just goes to show you how interested they were in Devin Bush. They took him at number 10 overall. They jumped to Denver Broncos because everyone knew about their love for Devin Bush and how much they had of a need at middle linebacker. So it was really good to see the Steelers go up and get their guy. They ended up trading a second and a third, I believe it was, or a first and a second, and then a third from 2020 to go up and get Devin Bush. So there was clear interest there, and it was really good to see him play well. Now, the next performance that I think flew very under the radar that I was very impressed with was Eric McCoy. 
the center from the Saints. His performance against the Vikings was spectacular from a pass pro standpoint. Now, he did struggle a bit in run blocking, which is something that he did struggle with in his days at Texas A&M. But the game that really did catch my eye when I was watching Eric McCoy was his game against Clemson. The way he handled Dexter Lawrence and Christian Wilkins along the interior, I thought that was very, very impressive. And it ended up making him being a second-round selection, I believe it was, which was the Saints' first first draft pick of the evening in that draft class just because they lost some compensation last year when they had to trade up for Marcus Davenport with the Green Bay Packers. So they take Eric McCoy in the second round and for Max Unger to retire and then for them to find the replacement right away in Eric McCoy, I think is going to help this team out a lot. He's been in a camp battle with Nick Easton, but I think he's far and away has more upside than what Easton has shown to this point just because everyone knows that the injury history that he does have He's battled a neck injury. He's battled some back injuries as well. So there is a bit of a risk there with Easton if they do want to make him their starting center. But if they want to go with the player that has the more upside, it is Eric McCoy by far. And he's not the biggest or the strongest guy in the world, but he is so greedy. He just hangs in there. He's very tough, hard-nosed, a guy that's not really a people mover, but he's going to create some run lanes for those running backs in the backfield. He had a great Great lane he cleared for Latavius Murray on a run uh, early in the second quarter, I believe it was. So it was really good to see that area happen. But I was really happy to see Eric McCoy play well just because I was very high on him. He was a top 40 prospect for me. Let's see if he ends up winning this training camp battle and if it carries over into the season. So that is something that I really will be watching for. The next performance that really impressed me was Preston Williams. His performance last week I thought was terrific. And the thing about Preston Williams is that he had four catches for 97 yards, I believe it was. He didn't get in the end zone. I believe he had one call back uh, that that was questionable. But with Preston Williams, he started off his career at Tennessee where he was a very highly touted prospect. So he had he had the talent. It was just a matter of some off-field mishaps and antics that happened with him that to where he just could not get his act straight. He ended up transferring to Colorado State, spending one year there, had a breakout year. He was the offensive player of the year, offensive conference player of the year there. So that just goes to show you how much of an instant hit he was. Ends up going undrafted just because of his past and the skeletons in the closet that he had during that period. A lot of teams just didn't trust him. But terrific job by his agent and him just identifying a team that needed receiver help. Miami is definitely a team that is starved for for talent on the perimeter. Preston Williams is going to have an opportunity to go in right away and be that guy that can be an instant impact type of contributor, even though we really don't know who is going to be the starting quarterback for this team right now. It could be Josh Rosen. It could be Ryan Fitzpatrick. But the chemistry that he displayed with Josh Rosen was fantastic. And a lot of people were Preston Williams believers coming out, saying that he could be a first or a second round selection if he didn't have the off the field resume and the stains that came with it coming into the draft and his time at Tennessee. If it would have been if it would have went better, he probably could have been a day one or early day two selection. So those were the four performances that impressed me the most. There were some others. Mac Wilson uh, in his two interception performance was really good as well. There were some other ones that were impressive. Kyler Murray uh, against the Chargers, he had a very good outing as well. Even though the offense was very vanilla, he looked very in charge. But we'll dive into the Cardinals. Once we come back from our commercial break, as we do our NFC West preview, along with the Arizona Cardinals, I'll be previewing the Seattle Seahawks, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Los Angeles Rams. But before we get into my preview of the NFC West, here is a word from Blue Wire's latest sponsor. Oh my God, football season is here, people. 
it's time to start placing your bets for the NFL and college football. Blue Wire is teaming up with sports information traders and the legend John Price, one of the world's most successful sports bettors, so our listeners are given the chance to make more money on football this season. All you have to do is go to sportsinformationtraders.com slash blue. That's sportsinformationtraders.com slash B-L-U-E and get the college football and NFL futures plays and make up 15 times your money for only a $99 investment. Last year, sports information traders correctly predicted the Clemson Tigers to win the college football championship, making one client alone $110,000. The year before that, Kurt Presley of Sports Information Traders made $1 million with a preseason wager on the Philadelphia Eagles to win the Super Bowl. John Price and the Sports Information Traders team can guide you on the best ways to make money on future bets and preseason football betting picks. You get all of that for just $99 and the opportunity to make 15 times your money. It's totally worth getting Sports Information Traders betting picks. Sports Information Traders has been featured in ESPN, Gambling911.com, Entrepreneur Magazine, and much, much more. John Price has been successfully making money betting on sports for over 20 years. Make a big return for a small investment with Sports Information Traders Futures Picks. Get started now by going to SportsInformationTraders.com slash blue. Again, make sure you go to SportsInformationTraders.com slash B-L-U-E to have your chance at a 15 times return with this future betting football season. Welcome back. And for those of you that have not been here the past few weeks, what I'm doing every week is I'm going division by division to do a breakdown. So I'll give a record prediction. I'll give my MVP, team MVP, and also rookie of the year, not just offensive or defensive, but just overall rookie of the year. And I'll give my basic thoughts about each team going into the year. We've already done the NFC East, the NFC South, and the NFC North. So if you have missed that, make sure to go back and check those out. Today, we are doing the NFC West with the Arizona Cardinals, the Seattle Seahawks, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Los Angeles Rams. So what what I have been doing is the basic format is that I'll start from the bottom up. So I'll start with the fourth place team, and then I'll go all the way to the top. So with that being said, I'll start at the bottom with the Arizona Cardinals. And there is a lot of excitement building with this team. Cliff Kingsbury was a big name hire, even though he hasn't had or experienced a lot of success as a collegiate head coach. But now this is his first try as a NFL head coach. And he comes in with a lot of hype. Everyone wants to talk about the air raid offense, even though we didn't see a lot of it in the preseason debut against the LA Chargers. And rightfully so, no team is going to reveal their hand and some of the concepts that they want to run conceptually on offense during the preseason, especially with all of the hype that Cliff Kingsbury has garnered throughout this offseason. And with Kyler Murray now in the building, he has the guy that he wants to engineer this offense. Josh Rosen is now out the door to Miami. They traded him for a a second-round pick, the 62nd overall selection of last year's draft. So there is no quarterback controversy there. This is Kyler Murray's team, make no mistake about it. But I have this team going 5-11. and But in a weird way, it's going to be a very entertaining 5-11 and just because I think this offense is going to be very high power. But they're going to leave their defense on the field too much. And we saw this with Chip Kelly to where he wanted to run so many plays. And Cliff Kingsbury, 
Cliff Kingsbury has already came out and said, David Johnson backed this up as well uh, during OTAs, is that they want to touch the 90-play a game mark, and that's just physically impossible. I don't think anybody has even reached 70 in NFL history per game, so on average. So that's just something that's unattainable. And, of course, as Coach Speak, he's going to say what he wants to say and set some unrealistic goals for this team. But I think a realistic record for this team is 5-11. and And I really like what they've done this offseason and a team that really was star for talent. Going back to last year, you bring in a veteran presence like Terrell Suggs from the Baltimore Ravens, uh, who the team just let go just because they didn't have a role for him in anymore. And they just wanted to cut bait just because he is getting a bit long in the tooth. And I really like this draft class, Byron Murphy. Um... Of course, outside of Kyler Murray, you have Byron Murphy, Keyshawn Johnson, who has had a really good training camp uh, from the reports that I have read. Andy Isabella, who had a terrific college career at UMass, and he had a so-so showing at the Senior Bowl when I did see him down there. But I'm interested to see his role in this offense. Hakeem Butler, who can come in and be an instant impact, maybe bottom of the depth chart type of receiver or option in that on that team. But they got a steal in Deontay Thompson in the fifth round. I thought he slipped much farther than what he was going to go. But this team has much more talent than I think it is given credit for. But they are just in a tough division. I think this is one of the better divisions, not only in the NFC, but also in all of football. Just because you have a team that just went to the Super Bowl last year in the Rams. The Seahawks are always going to be good, even though they did a terrific job of rebuild on the fly. And then the 49ers hopefully are going to be able to stay healthy this year. If they're able to stay healthy, I think they're going to be much better than what they were a year ago. So you're staring at the at the Arizona Cardinals and you're just like, where exactly are their wins are on the schedule? Just because I don't see more than one to two wins in this division. They always slip up and, and beat the Seahawks every year. They are They always play tough against the Rams. And, of course, the 49ers is always a battle. So maybe they can slip up and win one or two games in this division. But I just think the other teams right now are just far superior than where they are right now. But I say it's going to be an entertaining 5-11 and 11 just because I think this offense is going to be very high-powered. And that starts with Kyler Murray. And I'm buying all the hype. He was my top-ranked quarterback. And I'm not just saying that just because of my draft positioning or ranking towards him. I think Kyler Murray is going to be fantastic in this offense. And I say that because... He's already ahead of the learning curve as far as the rookie learning curve coming in, running a new system, learning a new system, learning how to operate from a huddle. If they do so, choose to huddle up and maybe they operate from a signal based type of system with Kingsbury, depending on what he wants to do. But as far as Kyler Murray coming in, he's already ahead of the learning curve. Larry Fitzgerald is already giving glowing compliments about him. And you rarely see a longtime future Hall of Famer come in to say that about a rookie quarterback like Larry Fitzgerald, a guy that's always known to tell the truth no matter what was going on with the organization. So for Kyler Murray to come in and get that type of praise right away, and he's already in an offense that he has previous reps with throughout his career, now you're going to get a guy that can check at the line of scrimmage, and it's just a matter of the speed of the game slowing down for him. And I'm going to make a bold prediction here just because I firmly believe it. I think Baker Mayfield's rookie touchdown record is only going to stand for one year just because Kyler Murray is going to break it this year. I think it wouldn't surprise me if he throws nearly 30 touchdowns. That's not to say he's going to get 30 touchdowns, but 27, 28, 29, which would place him ahead of Baker Mayfield's 26 from a year ago. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Kyler Murray does get to that mark. I'm buying all the hype, and I know I'm I'm putting my neck out there and making that bold prediction, but I'm buying the Kyler Murray hype just because 
of all the things that he's that he displayed as a prospect i think they translate well everyone likes to talk about the height and all of that but as far as everything that he brings to the table from a arm talent standpoint a durability standpoint and just being able to improvise and create off script it translates really well to the nfl and if you think all the successful rookie quarterbacks that have came into the into the nfl from years past whether it was sam darnold baker mayfield josh allen lamar jackson all those guys have one thing in common, and it's that they can create off script just because the offensive line play hasn't been great. And we know the Cardinals' offensive line is probably going to be a disaster this year. They don't have a lot of talent up there, and that's an area that they're going to have to improve on uh, in future years. And I think they're going to start there probably in the 2020 draft. But Kyler Murray has the elusiveness in order to avoid those situations. And what I love the most about Kyler is that he doesn't take any unnecessary hits. He knows how to get down. He knows how to run out of bounds to take away some of those body blows that aren't necessary that he doesn't have to take. So some of that punishment that these other quarterbacks around the league endure, he is wise enough in order to avoid all of that. So I have this team going 5-11. and 11, And, of course, I have the MVP and Rookie of the Year being Kyler Murray. It wouldn't surprise me if we're looking up and we're looking at one of the best rookie quarterbacks that we have seen in years past. And I think his his rookie year, it wouldn't surprise me if it matches or even exceeds Baker Mayfield's from a year ago. And that's not to say the Cardinals win total is going to be better than the Browns last year. I have the Cardinals going 5-11, and 11, but I think Kyler Murray's stats are going to be through the roof. The next team and the, sec- or the third place team that I'm predicting in this division is the San Francisco 49ers. I have them going 8-8, eight and eight, and I think the MVP of this team is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's going to have a bounce-back year this year. And I know most of the reports coming out haven't been great, but you have to remember that he's still trying to get his legs under him right now. He had a torn ACL in Week 3 or Week 4, I believe it was. It was very early in the season last year, so he's had plenty of time to recover, sit back, and learn his Kyle Shanahan offense even more. He's gotten plenty of mental reps. It's just a matter of this team staying healthy. Jarek McKinnon, Jimmy Garoppolo, the, the list of injuries goes on and on of what this team has endured. And we really, going into year three of the Shanahan and John Lynch tenure, we really don't have a good gauge of what this team really is just because of how much the injury bug really has riddled them since their entire tenure. So entering year three, I think this has to be the jump year. What I mean by the jump years, they have to have some type of progress or show some type of promise just because heading into year four, that is when you're really expected to win playoff games. And with the 49ers, I think they are expected to make the playoffs this year just because year three, like I said, this is where they expected to make the jump. With Jimmy G under center, they paid him like a franchise quarterback. He was the highest paid quarterback in the league at the time when he did sign the extension. I believe it was five years. 130 plus million dollars so they paid him a hefty amount of money now he just has to go out there and prove it even though he's only played in a handful of games for this organization they don't really know what they have in Jimmy Garoppolo and a lot of people like to joke and say that Nick Mullins is a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo he's put up the same numbers in Kyle Kyle Shanahan's system it's a true statement just because we haven't seen what Jimmy Garoppolo is to this point We've seen a handful of games. He was a flash in the pan with the New England Patriots, and we've only seen him in four or five career games with the San Francisco 49ers just because he hasn't been healthy. So we don't know what Jimmy Garoppolo is right now, but I think the biggest deficiency on this team is the defense. They have to find a way to create pressure on the quarterback. They've spent a bunch of top 10 picks on this defense. DeForest Buckner, Solomon Thomas, Eric Armstead, and now Nick Bosa, who is my pick for rookie of the year of this team. 
But once again, the 49er stigma is that they haven't been able to stay healthy. Now you're seeing with Nick Bosa is that he's already battling some injuries, uh, lower extremity injury. I don't remember exactly what they said it was, but I know I believe it was an ankle where somebody landed on him or something like that to where he injured his ankle. And then that goes back to the pre-draft concerns about him. Can he stay healthy? He had a domino injury last year to where he only played four games at Ohio State uh, before he decided to leave the team. A year ago, everyone knows what Nick Bosa brings to the table. He's a sack artist. Hand-to-hand combat is outstanding, but he just has to find a way to stay on the field. This team only forced seven turnovers last year. That was the worst mark in NFL history. But if you bring in Nick Bosa, you bring in D Ford, so you have your bookends that are very promising for the future. Now it's just a matter of them putting it all together with this D-line. I think they can be very good. You bring in Quan Alexander to go with Fred Warner, so... This put this front seven has a lot of potential. Now they do have some question marks in the secondary, which is led by Rich, Richard Sherman. I think Jaquaski Tart is a very promising player. Akilah Weatherspoon has to step up in year two. This is the or year three, I should say. This is the year where he has to step up, and he's going to be counted upon a lot this year, opposite of Richard Sherman, just because they don't really have anybody else at that position, and they don't have a lot of depth at corner right now. And it, it was really shocking to see them wait so late to address their secondary, which I think was by far their biggest need outside of edge rusher. But it's going to be interesting to see exactly what happens with the Kilo Weatherspoon this year. And I think he is another guy along with the entire team that has to make the jump this year. And this is a team that I'm going to be keeping a very close eye on just because of the NFC West. It is a very tough division, and I think they can be very competitive in it. But once again, it circles back to how healthy they can stay. Jarek McKinnon. Once again, had to have a PRP shot. So it just seems like it just seems like this team is just bitten by the injury bug really bad. But if Jimmy Garoppolo is able to stay healthy with the weapons that they do have on the perimeter, I love the Debo Samuel addition. I think he's going to be a terrific pro. Dante Pettis has already proven what he can do. And then you have a beast in George Kittle at tight end. So they have a lot of weapons on this offense. It's just a matter of them putting it all together, which is what we want to see from the San Francisco 49ers. And it's not just us. The front office wants to see it, too. John Lynch, they want to see this team put all together. Kyle Shanahan can only scheme up so many good plays. At the end of the day, you have to have players that can go out and execute it. And most of those players that he's been waiting on to show up in big-time moments, they've either been injured or they just haven't showed up to this point. So with Jimmy Garoppolo back under center, you add Debo Samuel, you add Dante Pettis, George Kittle, you already have. You have a decent middle-of-the-road offensive line led by Joe Staley. So we'll see what happens with this team during the 2019 season, but I have him going eight and eight. I have Jimmy Garoppolo as the MVP and I have rookie of the year as Nick Bosa. And the final two teams that I'll cover in today's NFC West preview are the LA Rams and the Seattle Seahawks. So first up, I have the LA Rams going 10 and six. I think this team coming off a promising Super Bowl run last year, even though it did fall to the New England Patriots. I think the thing that was most disappointing about the Rams is that only putting up three points in the Super Bowl, especially a team that was known to have a prolific offense led by Jared Goff and Todd Gurley. It was really surprising to see them struggle so much against a Bill Belichick defense. But if you think about it, that's why Bill Belichick is the greatest head coach of all time in NFL history, in my opinion, already. A plethora of Super Bowls, his resume speaks for itself. And the New England Patriots are definitely a tough team. I can't wait to get to them in our AFC preview uh, in a couple weeks. So I'm excited to get to that. But also, just stand on topic with the L.A. Rams. I think another team that has had a really good offseason 
And I, I love their draft as well, even though they didn't have a bunch of picks. Uh, Taylor Rapp is a player that I liked a lot. He's my rookie of the year pick for this team just because you lose LaMarcus Joyner and you replace it with Taylor Rapp, even though he is a different type of safety. I think he could come in and be an instant impact type of contributor. And I like Rapp so much just because he is a guy that is so consistent. And that's what you notice on this tape from Washington is that he is such a sure tackler. And you can't ask for a better type of trait from a safety. And then also, not only do you bring in Taylor Rapp, but you also bring in Eric Weddle as well, another player that can replace LaMarcus Joyner at that free safety spot. So you have a really good duo in that. And then also you have John Johnson headlining it at the strong safety spot. So really both of those guys are really interchangeable with Eric Weddle and John Johnson. And then you have Taylor Rapp that really can occupy those underneath zones if you want to run some three safety type of packages. But also the rest of the secondary is really good as well, even though Marcus Peters had a disappointing year last year. I I still think he is a top 15 to 20 cornerback in the NFL, even though he had a disappointing year last year. Then you have one of the better nickel corners in the league in Nikhil Roby Coleman, and then also a keep to leave, even though he is a year older. I still think he is uh, upper echelon or upper echelon or upper tier corner in the NFL. I like that dynamic duo on the edges there. And then you have Roby Coleman manning the nickel spot. And also you improved, I think, your safety rotation, bringing in rap and Eric Weddle as well. And we know this front seven is going to be good, even though they do have some questions at the middle linebacker spot or the linebacker core in general. Corey Littleton is okay. Micah Kaiser, a fifth-round pick from a year ago, still waiting on him to come on a little bit. But they add Clay Matthews for some help off of the edge, even though he's a bit long in the tooth. Then you have that man in the middle with Aaron Donald, of course, that is my MVP pick for this team. I mean, his resume speaks for itself. Three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Multi-time All-Pro Selection. I believe four-time All-Pro Selection. So his resume speaks for itself. The man really needs no introduction or glowing reviews about his resume, even though I did go through it. We know he's the best player in the NFL. He was the top guy on the NFL Top 100. So he has the respect of his peers from from throughout the league. But I think what's going to fall on this team is how well this offense can show up in big moments. And that starts with Jared Goff. Everyone knows that time, or everyone knows that Sean McVay really has Jared Goff uh, hand tied a bit. And what I mean by hand tied is that he doesn't let him do a whole bunch as far as checking at the line of scrimmage, just because what happens with the Rams is that they like to get the play call in very quick, just so that Sean McVay can survey the defense, and then he likes to make checks at the line of scrimmage that he runs through Jared Goff in order to go through with those audibles. So I think he needs to take the reins a little bit off of Jared Goff and let him roam a little bit more freely, even though some people don't really think that's a good idea. I think that's a way that Jared Goff really can take the next step in his development. And this is a big year for him just because he's fighting for an extension. Of course, they're going to extend his fifth-year option when they're able to do that. But if he wants to eventually become a $100 million man, I still think he needs to show that next step in his development. And if he continues to show what he did just like he did a year ago, I think he'll end up getting to that status as far as being a $100 million quarterback. But I just want to see McVay take the reins off of him a little bit and kind of allow him to operate a little bit more freely just to see exactly what he can do. This offensive line is always going to put him in, in positions to succeed. Even though they did lose John Sullivan, they bring in Brian Allen, uh, their fourth-round pick from a year ago. Joseph Noteboom takes over at the left guard spot, and then replacing Roger Saffold and also – Andrew Whitworth, of course, is the anchor of that line at left tackle. Austin Blythe had a very surprising year uh, last year. Rob Havenstein, 
is also a good player as well at the right tackle spot, the second round pick from 2015, I believe it was. So having those guys on the on the edges of your offensive line with Whitworth and Havenstein as your bookends is all about the interior just to see how they adjust uh, to really not having a whole bunch of experience with Brian Allen and Noteboom. But I love the I love the picks with Bobby Evans and David Edwards. I think both of those guys can be instant impact type of contributors as depth pieces. Now, I don't expect any of those guys to start uh, probably in the next year or two, but maybe further down the line, I think they could provide some value in those areas. This team is loaded at receiver. Of course, McVay always wants to keep some speed on the perimeter with Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Brandon Cooks. Those are your top three guys and where a plethora of the offense is going to go through. And then you have Josh Reynolds really as the fourth guy in this situation. So I really like what this team has offensively, but it's going to be interesting to see exactly what happens with the backfield dynamics with Ty Gurley at the sign of the extension. He just hasn't looked like himself. There's been some rumors of the arthritis in the, in his knee, and they didn't do anything to refute those reports. And then they come out in the draft, and they, they draft Daryl Henderson, the running back from Memphis, in the third round. So they are fully prepared if Ty Gurley is not able to come back and return to his MVP type of form. Daryl Henderson, I think, is going to be a really good fit in this offense, even though I think he has to learn a bit more of some zone-oriented schemes, which he has struggled with a little bit uh, during the preseason. But I think as he continues to get more reps in it, I think he'll get better at it. So I have the Rams at 10-6. I have Aaron Donald as the obvious MVP for this team. And the rookie of the year I have for Taylor Rapp, just because I think he's going to come in and be very consistent, even though he's probably not going to be a starter for this team. I think he's going to flash at some moments, whether that's on special teams or manning that strong safety spot behind John Johnson. So it's a team I'm excited to see, to see if they have a Super Bowl hangover, if they come out firing on all cylinders, even though we know Sean McVay doesn't like to play any of these guys during the preseason. So once again, will it take them a while to get going? Or similar to last year, will they come out firing on all, cil- on all cylinders? So the Rams will be a team to keep an eye on. But the team that I have finishing first, in this division is the Seattle Seahawks. I have them going 11-5. and five. And so many people were surprised to see how well they played a year ago, even though they essentially gutted their roster from a lot of the Legion of Boom and some of the some of the very successful that they successful players that they have had in years past. Excuse me there. I couldn't get those words out. But they essentially did a rebuild on the fly. And I just love how they have put this team together. Pete Carroll does a terrific job as far as putting this team together. John Snyder, another terrific evaluator of talent. And the Seahawks always have the weirdest drafts. But at the end of the day, once you go back and evaluate it and look at it on paper, you say, huh, this really makes sense as far as who they're trying to replace. And that started with LJ Collier, this year's draft pick. Michael Bennett was a guy that they had to replace. LJ Collier is a player that brings a similar skill set to the table as far as him not being a supreme type of pass rusher, but he is very stout at the point of attack, very heavy handed, has a very strong lower half, and he's gonna help and he's gonna help he's gonna be an instant impact contributor on this defense as long as he does get healthy. He's battling some injuries, but I think they did say and come out and say that he's going to be ready to go during week one. So it's going to be interesting to see exactly what happens with him at that left defensive end spot opposite of Cassius Marsh. Puna Ford was a really good player that came on to them as an undrafted free agent. And then Earl Mitchell is going to be another guy manning the middle 
spots as well. And the thing about the Seahawks is that they have a bunch of guys that aren't headliner guys on this defense, but everyone just does their job. They're always going to be where they're supposed to be. The secondary, Pete Carroll, is always going to make sure that his secondary is one of the better ones throughout the league. So I love the Trey Flowers. I love Shaquille Griffin. And I love everything that they have coming back in this secondary. Bobby Wagner has his money now, signed a massive extension, highest paid NFL linebacker in the league. Manning the middle, K.J. Wright is back again as well. So I'm excited to see exactly what happens with this defense. And I think they have the potential to be one of the better ones throughout the entire league. The offense is always an adventure. And that's the word I use for this offense just because it is exactly that everyone that knows that russell wilson is going to ball out he's always going to be in the mvp consideration just because of how much he puts on his shoulders with this offense and he is my obvious mvp pick for this team just because seattle's offensive line is always in shambles even though they did make a trade with the texans for Dwayne brown a year ago the other spots on this team just are not good even though they brought in mikey potty uh, ethan Posick just hasn't been what they thought they were getting a second-round pick from 2017, Justin Britt. We'll see what happens with him, if he can continue to develop, even though he hasn't showed a whole bunch to this point. DJ Fluker, I think he is what he is at this point. Uh, he's he's one, of the, one of the biggest bust uh, first-round picks from recent memory as far as an offensive line standpoint. He just hasn't lived up to the hype uh, when he came over from the New York Giants a year ago. Jermaine Fetty, another first-round pick that just hasn't worked out to this point. But... On the perimeter, they lose a big, big key piece to the puzzle in Doug Baldwin. Doug Baldwin, you have Tyler Lockett. And then I think the player that is going to surprise a lot of people, even though he did slip in the draft after having a great combine, is DK Metcalf. He's my rookie of the year for this team. I think of any team that he ended up on, I don't think there's a better fit for him than the Seattle Seahawks just because of how much play action they operate off of. And also, his one-way ability to run vertical. Don't ask him to run east and west or involve him in a lot of routes that have a lot of sharpness or cuts of the variety where he has to make sharp turns or get in and out of his breaks. Let his traits shine. And what I mean by let his traits shine is allow him to run vertical down the field and just outrun a lot of people. And that's exactly what you saw in his preseason debut, even though he did drop a couple vertical passes that he should have caught. If he did catch them, his stat line looks completely different. And I think he would have ended up somewhere around the 90-yard mark if he did catch a, if he did catch all the passes that he was supposed to catch. So I think as long as he shows some type of catch consistency and stays healthy, which has been another negative about his draft status, I think he is going to be the rookie of the year for this team. Russell Wilson is the obvious MVP just because of how much he endures with this offense. So I have the Seahawks going 11-5 and actually winning this division over the L.A. Rams. The NFC West is going to be an action-packed type of division, though, just because anybody can win on any given day. The Cardinals slipped up and have really given the Seattle Seahawks and L.A. Rams a run for their money as far as when every time that they do or they have played the 49ers, if they stay healthy this year, they're going to be a very scrappy team. And whenever you have a talented play caller like Kyle Shanahan, he is going to be able to scheme guys open a lot, especially against a division that really doesn't have a bunch of strong defenses uh, with the 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks and also the L.A. Rams. None of those teams really have a upper echelon or upper tier type of defense in a sense, even though the Rams have a very strong defensive line and the 49ers have a very strong potential defensive line. None of these teams scare you a whole bunch besides Aaron Donald. Of course, you're going to have to double team him. But 
outside of Aaron Donald, there really isn't a whole bunch that really worries you about the L.A. Rams defense. So I think Kyle Shanahan is going to be able to really have his way, especially with the Cardinals defense, the Seahawks defense, and the L.A. Rams defense to a sense. So we'll see what happens with this division, but I'm really excited to see how things shake out just because I think it's going to be a bloodbath, and there's anyone that really could win this division between the 49ers, the Seahawks, and the Rams. I still think the Cardinals are a year or two away as far as their talent on the roster and really competing to win this division, but it wouldn't surprise me if they end up winning one, two, or even three games in this division just because any team can win on any given day but once again i want to thank you guys for listening to the draft board podcast there's so much i have in store for you guys we're going to get back to having some interviews i know i have been solo for the past two months here but we're in the season now we're going to go back to the two shows a week format here very soon probably when the season starts we'll get back into our regular monday and Friday rotation from when we had back during the season last year. So I can't wait to get back in the swing of things with that. But once again, go check out the draftnetwork.com. We have a lot of great things going on over there. We just revealed our very new logo, which has already received rave reviews. Also check out the client or climbingthepocket.com. Be sure to go over and check that out. We have a really good lots of really good content being posted over there. But once again, I am your host. Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at JReedNFL. That's at J-R-E-I-D NFL. Give me a follow on there. I'll be sure to post as many things as I can. I post all 22 clips, my basic thoughts. I even post a food thought here and there. So I try to keep the timeline as entertaining as possible. But once again, thank you guys for listening, and I hope you enjoy the second week of the preseason. Happy Friday. Enjoy your weekend.